0: Man, welcome to Crow Triple Seven Radio. This is Hour One of Episode Three Hundred and Sixty Six. Jason Lingren is with me, and Lauren Mones. If I've done my homework, I could tell you the previous episode. I'll do that before we get out of Hour One. Uh, she is known as Fermenting Fairy. She makes fermenting products. This is what I'll say about fermenting. I got a lot of email from some people who said, "Well, fermenting's not good for me," and that could well be. But what I do know for certain is many of the older cultures all have very important, very healthy fermenting products. Japan is a good example with soy sauce and other things like miso. Um, These are a big deal and they are ancient in that culture, which is not to say maybe there are certain body types or genetic types, whatever you'd like to call it, uh, that don't do well fermenting. But from my point of view and from what I've learned since I've been doing this is that's a small minority of people. Anyhow, welcome, Jason. And good morning. Welcome, Lauren.
1: Thank you so much. Thanks for having me again.
0: Yeah, welcome back. We're going to have to jump in. You did a move since last time you're on. You were in California and you picked up you know, pulled pulled stakes and moved your tent to Florida. I'm guessing there's a story behind that, but how are you doing now that you're moved?
1: Uh, we're doing so much, so much better. We're in the land of the almost free here in Florida compared to <laughs> the death trap of California.
0: Well, put on your seatbelt. Everyone's <laughs> playing their role here. Even everyone thinks Texas is the magical coin right now, but I've got news for you. Nobody is exempt from what's going on. They're playing both sides of the coin. They always have. They always will, yes. which is not to say we can't try. We should try. We should always try. But to be... a uh, Uh, You know, connected to these systems, in my view, is a mistake. Anyhow, I'm going to take a break. I've got the Browns gas machine and there will be an episode that you will all hear from George Wiseman on the Browns gas. Uh, It's the real deal. I put my mom on it for 15 minutes last night. She could tell me where she was born, when she was born, who her best friend in high school was. And these are things she could not have told me for well over a year uh, because of the so-called dementia. Anyhow, Jason, I'm going to hand it over to you and I'll be back in about 10 or 15 minutes.
2: All right, Lauren. So let's get the story. What was going on in California and then how you got settled into Florida?
1: Oh, so there is like a little bit of a backstory before I jump into the meat of it. Um, The backstory is in January of 2020, we were in L.A., and we moved into this new commercial kitchen prior to moving into this new commercial kitchen. It's a shared space, so there's over twenty different food companies sharing this space and prior to moving in, we spoke with the owner of the kitchen, and we said, "Look, we don't wear masks. we're not getting the the jab. you know, are you okay with us moving in?" and she you know she' she's got her eyes like halfway open. She knows what's going on in the world. And also she complies and follows what's going on. So she was like, you know, that's fine, you know, move in and we'll get you settled and whatnot. So we move in and that was the beginning of the end. She just determined like that she had all the control over us. And for the next Four or five months continued to stalk us, sabotage, try to sabotage my business. Uh, it got worse and worse as the special medicine came out and everyone was getting the jab. And we were the only ones in the kitchen that were not. And so we were like quarantined to a little space. She was calling the health department on us several times. Um, and it was just like this next level evilness that I've never experienced from another person, especially because there was nothing that we did other than resist what was happening.
2: Heaven forbid.
1: Heaven forbid, right? God forbid we're the only ones in LA standing up to this matter. So um, so we go into work one day and we get a 30-day notice, right? We have to vacate. We have to move out in 30 days, okay? So I frantically start searching from, uh, for another kitchen in LA. All right. Well, that is a dead end because not only was it difficult before this whole thing, but now you have all the restaurants that went out of business who have now gone into commercial kitchens and have opened up ghost kitchens right? So they don't have a a brick and mortar anymore. They go in and they sell their online stuff and they need commercial kitchens. Plus, you have people who have lost their jobs and they said, well, now's the right time to start my bread company or my cookie company and they all need commercial kitchens. So they could not build them fast enough. I mean, and there was nothing in LA. So we saw an opportunity. We thought, okay, well, maybe this is our time to get out of California. We flew to Florida, spent four days here to see if we wanted to move here. And on the very last day, as we were getting ready to fly back to LA, two things happened. We got a two-week notice. So it wasn't 30 days anymore. Now we had to be out in two weeks. And the launch of the first crow show happened. (laughs) So here we are, you know, and The orders start pouring in. I just want to say also thank you for introducing me to your community because you have some of the most intelligent and kindest and most supportive people who listen to your show. So
2: We have a fantastic audience and I love them.
1: I mean, just an incredible bunch of people and um, thank you to the community, whoever's listening. You guys sold us out for two months straight. We were... We thought we prepared, but uh, we weren't warned even close. <laughs> <laughs> we I know you did warn me. Rose warned me. We thought we built up the inventory. And so we flew back to California and you know the orders are pouring in, the emails, the phone calls. Um, we're trying to wrap things up. We have no idea where we're going to land in Florida. And so I'm looking for a place to live and... Long story short, we, we made the move. We made the four-day drive across country. We we took all of the inventory that we had built up and we packed it into a truck and we put it all on ice. And we had to stop for ice every like two hours going through Arizona and Texas. And um, we landed in a rental house, opened up our garage that became Fermenting Fairy for two weeks until we found a, a great commercial kitchen and and here we are, we have our own kitchen now and it's our own space and it's much bigger than we, what we've ever had. And, and we're just, we're thriving. It's, it's a nice, um, a nice change for us. It was much needed. So that's the story.
0: So which part of Florida did you end up in?
1: We settled in St. Pete, St. Petersburg.
0: But where is St. Petersburg on the, uh, the little dongle there that hangs down?
1: Yep. The little dongle, um, Tampa, it's like west of Tampa. So it's oh. on the coast. Yep. It's oh. the Tampa, Tampa area. It's it's really like people tell me it's the blue dot of Florida. And it it certainly is. I mean, you've got a ton of mask wearing people here, and probably most people are are jabbed. But um, but the difference between here and California is that nobody, I have not had one single off comment or look or, you know, like all the things I was getting in California from none, being
0: mask free. Is that what you're saying? From
1: being mask free and, and jabbed free. Yeah. Mm. I mean, and it, it's just like, it's an easy, like I, I can stand within two feet from a person wearing a mask in the grocery store and they will not move away from me. They won't look at me funny. It's just, we, we coexist, you know, and it's harmonious.
0: That's a great, great thing. Um, so, you're, you're, I don't know what you guys covered just now, but I'm guessing your business is back up and operating because I got a box, I think just yesterday.
1: Yeah. We're, yeah. We've, we've been building up stock again and we're back, we're back in into it. And we've got a wonderful kitchen, as I was mentioning to Jason.
0: Did you guys cover what you provide and how folks can get it yet? Cause this is hour one. It would be a good place to do it.
2: Nope. We were just doing the uh, situation in California and her getting to Florida. So, let's do that now.
1: So we're, we're primarily in online. So what we did was we let go of all wholesale. So we're no longer in any stores. We want to really focus on online so you can get us, you know, only from our website right now, which is fermentingfairy.com.
0: And we'll have a, just so everybody knows, Lauren is a member. She'll be in comments, either Lauren or Rose or somebody will get the links to this. Um, oh, wait a minute. I have a sponsored link to you. Do I not?
1: Yes, I, you do. I can't even
0: keep track. So of those little sponsored links of the products that I've personally used and feel are well worthwhile, um, Fermenting Fairy is one of those little image links. And that is a link that tracks that it's come from the website, right, Lauren? Isn't it?
1: Yep. it it'll Yeah, it'll track it from the website. And you'll get a... You have to put in a code, though. It's crow gosh, I should have looked at this.
0: Let's just do this. When we do the comment that link, well, that's the problem. and I'm not thinking this through. I think actually I'm going to go on the website right now and I'm going to look real quick because I think we put the code under the sponsored link, didn't we?
1: Yeah, we did. So I can't remember if there were two R's. That's always the conundrum.
0: The, The image is missing from the website for some reason. All right. Well, we'll have to get that fixed. There will, this will be added. Um, I'll ping someone more on the air. And what we'll do is we'll make sure that the little text under the sponsored image link, it's those little 100 by 150 images, will have the discount code that you can use. Um, I'm not sure what happened here. We just updated things and I don't see it.
1: Hmm. Okay.
0: There's so much to keep track of. Anyhow, <laughs> I guess we can <laughs> continue on. Did you add anything new to your product line? Or, or is it see, what what I've been using, just so people know, there's drinks and there'll be like a, a kind of lemonade or a kind of coconut. Um, and you, from my point of view with the body type that I have, when I drink them, I feel like I've ingested life for my mother. Um, the drinks aren't really an option because um, she's got dementia at a level. And if something tastes different, Uh, it might bother her and she can't, you know, think about why most of the time, actually that's changing a little bit with the new machine. But the point I would make is, um, she uses the applesauce and it keeps her regular and she seems to be a bit more cognitive after she's had the applesauce.
1: Mm, That's amazing. I love that. Good. That's good stuff. Um, so, um, yeah, so we still have our, we have our coconut milk kefir, we have our probiotic lemonade, our fermented applesauce and our, uh, raw kraut, raw and pasteurized kraut. And then we are adding, thanks to Rose, she gave me this idea. I started baking sourdough and we can get into this, um, later, oh, wow. but yeah. So I'm, I, and I, it's a kefir sourdough, so it's different than, well, what
0: does that mean though? Tell people what that means.
1: So it means that um, I take filtered water, sea salt, high quality sea salt, and two different kinds of flour. I have an ancient grain, einkorn, and I have a bread flour. And I also take my coconut milk kefir to add a massive amount of bacteria to the dough. And I let that all ferment for 24 hours. And then I make, and then I bake it and it becomes a sourdough, but it becomes a kefir sourdough because not a, you know, regular. Um, High-quality sourdough will have wild yeast with some bacteria, but this kefir sourdough will have the kefir microbes that are very, very powerful. In my opinion, they are the most powerful out of the uh, microbial kingdom, and so they they have their their say in breaking down all the gluten and the anti-nutrients and and releasing all the nutrients. So it's it's a not only is it a easily digestible bread, but it's super tasty, super tangy as sourdough should be. And also very nutritious because of the kefir.
0: What's the shelf life Lauren on something like that? Like I noticed if I buy say like organic bananas and I'm not fooled, we get as organic as we can get. um, But they do last quite a bit longer, sometimes like a week longer. What's the shelf life of a bread that's not full of everything most bread is?
1: Well, one loaf, I mean, in Florida where it's humid, we keep our loaf for, I mean, wait, my husband and I go through it really quickly, but I if when I bake four loaves and we keep it on the counter for, it could last two weeks, even just on oh, the wow. counter. Yeah.
0: That's good. Good enough. So just so everybody knows. Uh, you're not going to find GMO in Lauren's products. She's going to do everything she can to get things that are not modified, so-called genetically. They're not going to have pesticides to the you know the ultimate level of her ability. Um, and you know, people shouldn't be fooled. We go to the store, we pay more for organic. But you know, I've met some very wise people in this world that saying getting organic anything is nearly impossible um, because of what they've sprayed in the air and all these other ideas. The point is, is a lot of effort goes in this to get old seed strains. And if I'm not mistaken, you must have searched for your, whatever it's called, the yeast starter for that, because I know some of those are hundreds of years old, the bread yeast starters.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, they are. And I I actually, well, I I created my own. So everything I did for this sourdough package is from the viewpoint from the stance of a fermentation expert rather than a baker so i did everything to where like i fed it consistently i left it out in um you know perfect temperature in florida it's it's perfect right now for fermentation and um and fermented it for a long time so th- those are things that maybe a you know a baker who does all kinds of breads and cookies and stuff like that wouldn't really focus on. Whereas I focused on the, the, the real like fermentation, like making the stout star- the starter super powerful. So I made my own starter. Um, and it's important to note that this, I'm not going to be baking bread for you. A lot of people think I'm going to be doing that, but it's, it Rose had the idea that it's a do it yourself package. And I love this. Yeah. It's such a good idea because especially nowadays, like we all need to know how to make our own food, you know, especially food that can be easy, which is flour and water and salt because who the hell knows what's happening to the the food system. So it's going to be a do it yourself. So we're going to ship you uh, my starter that I, that I started And we're going to ship you the two kinds of flour, the einkorn and the bread flour, and also two kefirs. And that's all you need. Plus the video recipe and plus the uh, written recipe. So you're going to do it yourself.
0: So what what do you actually get? So you'll, what are you providing for yourself to create the bread?
1: So we're shipping you the starter and we're shipping you the flour, the two flours and the kefir.
0: So you're just basically mixing things together and following a typical direction on how you prepare dough to go into the oven.
1: Yeah. Like you're, you're going to like, if I shipped it to you crow, like you're going to, you're going to do, you're going to have everything to make this bread except for like the bread pan and the salt. And you're going to have to have a few things in your kitchen but you'll have the essentials. You'll have the things that make it a special kind of bread. And I tested this on six of my customers who um, I you know, put a post up on Instagram and I said, who does not eat any kind of grains because they're either wheat sensitive or gluten sensitive? And uh, are you willing to try a bread? And so I shipped it to six customers and none of them had any ill reaction and all of them reported feeling really good. And then also, which, which none of them could eat anything. They couldn't even touch wheat or gluten. Mm. And, and then my, also my neighbor just got diagnosed with celiac and she was willing to try it and she didn't have any reaction.
0: Wow. Wow. That's a cool thing. So let's get into some of the less glamorous things uh, that are so dang important. They should be talked about all the time. Things like constipation, Um, As everyone knows, I take care of a 90-year-old mother who has been diagnosed with supposedly Parkinson's and Alzheimer's. What that basically means in real life is thinking becomes a problem. Any kind of cognition or being part of the world mentally is diminished or not there at times. And the Parkinson's idea is the brain can't communicate with the muscles in the way it should. So standing or other things and shaking um becomes a big problem. This is what I noticed when she got constipated, and it is very easy for a person of ninety years old to become constipated, her dementia just went ten, as mm-hmm. bad as it could be. So I realized that every morning I was gonna do things um, like uh, you know yogurts and and fresh fruits and things like that that I could get into her. And as soon as the constipation is gone, immediately, the cognition, comes back to a better level. In other words, what so many who have come on the show to say is true, your gut is connected to your mind. So that plays a big role in what you're doing, right Lauren? Yeah, being reg- basically being regular. Regular.
1: Yes, yes, yes. And I would say like out of all the issues that people come to me for in terms of either the, the consultation or the products, it's constipation. And and it's no wonder because if you think of your gut as a sewage system. Like you're, you're literally put things in and it goes out. It's supposed to go out and it's like, you're taking out the trash, you know? But, um, if that trash doesn't leave your body, then it becomes trash in your body and it results in all sorts of toxic buildup. Toxic waste uh, leaking into your bloodstream if you have a leaky gut, which most likely you do, and then it goes up into your um, central nervous system, and then you you witness what you're witnessing with your mom the the cognition decline, um, constipation is like if someone comes to me and they're like oh I have this symptom this symptom this symptom this symptom and I say are you going to the bathroom regularly and they say no I don't care about any other thing that they're experiencing. We work on getting you to poop first and foremost. And then we see what resolves itself after that. Because if you've got that, you're not peeing, pooping, or sweating, you're not detoxing and you need to detox every day. You need to do something every day. And, you know, so that toxic buildup and, and I have, um, I have suggestions that I, I, I I went through my head and I said, what can I tell people for this show about constipation that isn't usually talked about because it's, it's not the usual fiber. It's not really like eat more fiber because if you don't have the bacteria, which most of us don't to break down the carbohydrates, break down the fiber, then you're just going to get full and bloated. You're going to get blocked. It's going to make your constipation worse. So uh, it's not just about fiber. If it's about fiber at all, you know, that's, that's one of the worst recommendations that doctors will give you. Just eat more fiber. And that's, that's just not, that's not the, the key to constipation, to going. So I thought I'd go over a couple of these that are not talked about often that could really make a huge difference. One is um, regulating your sleep-wake cycle. So, your circadian rhythm is tied to your motility in your gut. So, what a lot of people do is they wake up in the morning, the first thing they do is they turn on their phone, right? Um, I can tell you probably the majority of people do that. And what that does is it gives your body this blue light, right? Which too much blue light can become very toxic in the body and cause inflammation. So right away, that looking at the phone, getting that blue light is um, putting a damper on your peristalsis, your motility in your gut. So the best thing to do is to regulate your circadian rhythm. And that starts in the morning. What do you do first thing in the morning? So you wake up, don't turn on your phone, don't turn on your computer, go right outside and get the light, this the sunrise, you know, see, it depends on how early you wake up, but I, I wake up when it's pitch black out and I watch the sun come up and that's regulating my circadian rhythm. That's regulating the movement in my gut. And then that sets me up for success for the rest of the day. It sets me up for even sleeping at night. So what you do first thing in the morning really matters, and it helps to get that sunrise and that sunset red light, that like red-orange tint is very calming. It helps to stimulate the vagus nerve, which is also tied to the gut and the movement, the motility in your gut. So that's one thing you can do. And breathing, breathing is another thing that we tend to have backwards. First, a lot of people are mouth breathers. If you're a mouth breather, then that is directly linked to constipation. So you need to get the the breath coming in and out through the nose. You have more nitric oxide, which helps to stimulate the motility in the gut. And also, it sets up your whole palate, which is the first area of digestion. So, when you breathe in and out through your nose, and you have a better tongue position, you have a better palate expansion, you have better chewing capability, and then you can digest your food better, and then it moves right through you. But if you're not a mouth breather and you're a nose breather, hopefully, what a lot of people have turned to is using. The wrong breathing muscles. so you have primary breathing muscle and you have secondary breathe, breathing muscles. So the diaphragm is the primary breathing breathing muscle. And when you take a deep breath in through your nose, the diaphragm moves down and presses on your intestines. And then when you breathe out through your nose, the diaphragm moves up and releases the pressure. And so breathing in and out through your nose, with like a deep belly breathing, that helps the diaphragm massage your intestines. And you better believe that that massage is also linked to the contractions, the ebb and flow of your, of your large intestine and small intestine. So they're inextricably linked, your diaphragm, your breathing, and your gut motility.
0: Well, you said a couple things there that, that are a really big deal. Um, I was surprised when I started to get people on that actually addressed a very important part of our lives that we all act like we don't need to think about going to the bathroom every day. Um, by the way, I work at it every day that I, I will, if I have a day when I don't go to the bathroom two, three times, then I am on it that night. Um, there's all kinds of things you can do, um, to make sure. And I'm not talking about laxatives at all. Um, but Part of what you said was the whole computer thing. If people I didn't even know I had, you know, look how much time I spend with the technology. I don't particularly love too much to run to run Mm -hmm. all this stuff, but I had no idea that all the blue light I was ingesting all day was affecting me. So I got a little program called F Lux and put it on my device, my computer, and I set it so that. You know, as the sun moves through the sky, the blue light is removed, and it's almost my monitor is almost orange looking. By the time the sun goes down, the first night I did it, I slept better, and I think that's just key because how many of us go to bed watching a television or using the screen on our phone? If you haven't got some kind of a blue blocker, um, you're you're going to get negative effects to that. But we have had people come on who say a healthy body is supposed to go number two every time you eat. First time I heard that, I'm like, come on. <laughs> but I've heard it enough times now to know that even though I work at it, I know I don't do that every time I eat, but I do two or three times a day. But the only reason I do is because I pay attention to it and you feel so much better.
1: Mm-hmm. Yes. And even, I mean, it's just so interesting watching. I have a five-month-old puppy and he goes to the bathroom so much. Like I cannot believe the amount of times he poops throughout the day. It's amazing. And they're perfect poops. He, cause he eats and literally half an hour later, he's pooping it out. It's just like, that's, I mean, we're not, we're obviously we're not dogs and we're not eating as much or we're not eating. They
0: digest in four, roughly three to four hours where we digest, you know, eight to whatever it is they they claim, but it is, it's an example from nature, isn't it?
1: It is. It is. So yeah. If you, and I agree. If you're not going to the, I, I go two to three times a day. And and it's interesting because I don't I don't eat a lot of fiber. I you know so so that's a another thing that I'll get to is it's really like the fiber is kind of a hoax when it comes to constipation. You don't need a lot of fiber. You need other things like like lifestyle. What is your lifestyle? Just again, waking up and getting that orange and red tint, going to bed, getting that orange red tint. And if you want to take it a step further along with waking up and going outside and letting your eyes and your retina absorb that perfect um, calming light, take your shoes off or don't put sh- any shoes on at all and go into grass or dirt or soil or beach or sand, whatever, even concrete is, is enough um, and do some grounding. So the the grounding it'll decrease any negative effects that blue light accumulation will have in the body.
0: I do that every day. I go down to the beach every day that I'm able and I take off my shoes and either walk in the shallow water or bury my feet in the sand. And, and it's true. When I do my praying or my sun gazing, I always ground out and I'm lucky to have access to a beach. I could do it. But let's talk about the problem with laxatives because a long time ago, I used to think that was the cure. Oh, I'm not regular. I'm going to take these laxatives, but they're a bit like a drug, aren't they? You get dependent on them. You can. And so I learned that early on with nobody really telling me what was correct. And so I had moved to things like Swiss Chris, which is basically an herb. But even that, uh, if you become dependent on it, um, I I think we should talk about this because I I think a lot of people out there are buying laxatives um, to try to cure Mm -hmm. the problem. And that's really not a solid answer for the long run, is it?
1: No, it's not. It's Again, it's, it's like a Band-Aid. You know, it's, it's a Band-Aid. It's, it's not getting to the root cause. And frankly, even the, the health food, um, the herbs and the, the seeds and the charcoal, all of that, even healthy versions of, of laxatives can be very harsh on the gut. You know, you have to remember that your gut, your gut lining is, it's sensitive. It's not thick it's not like a thick wall is super, super thin. It's like half, half of a, a cell. I don't even know the the measurement, but it's, it's very, very sensitive. And so these laxatives that come in and you're like, boom, you know, going to the blowing up the bathroom. Um, <laughs> it's very harsh for the gut. It's very harsh for the gut lining. So you could even do some tearing in there, but, um, but they are uh, they are they're harsh, they irritate, um they disrupt the pH of the stomach. so that's that is no good because if you disrupt the pH of the stomach, then you can have h pylori and all sorts of you know, opportunistic um, bacteria that can take a hold. Um, and it's artificially stimulating the motility in the gut. But again, you're not. You're relying on a crutch. Your body's not actually doing it itself. And when we, when we want health and we want optimal health, we want our bodies to do what it's supposed to do. But laxatives, it's not going to lead you down the right path.
0: Well, I noticed, I noticed a thing the other day. Um, I was in a, I think it was a CVS getting stuff. And I noticed this laxative on the shelf that said, for people with high blood pressure, and it dawned on me all at once <laughs> what that's about because I've read the ingredients on laxative. There's a crap load of salt in a lot of them. Um, there's There's different ways they can do it. But now they're even marketing laxative for people with high blood pressure. And it just kind of, you know, that tells the tale, doesn't it? That's funny.
1: Yeah, I wonder if they have high blood pressure because they're so stressed out because they're not going to the bathroom. So well, if you, if, it's like great. If you read the label, you could
0: you could deduce that they use too much normal laxative and they got high blood pressure. It's just <laughs> yeah, like, come exactly. on, man. It's a it's a vicious yeah. circle.
1: Well, Miralax is. I mean, Miralax. How many people listening to this show? Have either had their doctor tell them to take Miralax, or their doctor tells their children to take Miralax, and that you can be on it. There's no harm. There's no danger. You can be on it for the rest of your life. Don't worry about it. You know. And they're telling this to like a two year old. Why is a two year old constipated? First of all, and Miralax is like, I mean, it's just it's considered by the Western medical uh, community to be harmless. And then when you look at the ingredients, polyethanol glycol, which is a neurotoxin and it's a well-known oh neurotoxin, God. it's FDA has Perfectly fine labeled, it, <laughs> labeled it as a neurotoxin. And not only that, but it pulls water out of the body and it creates an electrolyte imbalance And it dehydrates you. And so you have a mineral deficiency.
0: And more constipation once you get all the water sucked out of you.
1: Right. Yep, exactly. More constipation. And then you become dependent on it because it is a chemical and they are making these chemicals so that we become dependent and we get stupider and stupider and eventually just perish.
0: (laughs) What's in that name? Miralax. So is that the miracle laxative or is it drawn from the Spanish? Look, laxative. (laughs) What's in a name?
1: Mm -hmm. So anyway, yeah, I would stay clear of laxatives and and honestly try these other things. Like I was saying, if we can go back to that, regulate your sleep-wake cycle, breathe. So the breathing, this is really important. And I've, I've, this to other people who have been constipated for years and boom, they start going because a lot of people are breathing from their secondary breathing muscles. And those are the intercostals, um, the intercostals in between the ribs. And so if you, if you think about bring your attention to your breath and how you're breathing, are your ribs moving first before your lower belly, And if so, then you're breathing from your secondary breathing muscles, which will have no effect, no massaging effect on the intestines. And so your breath is a direct link to how your intestines are moving. So then what it takes is just to to switch your breathing pattern, it takes a lot of awareness, and start breathing in and out through the nose, and let your your lower belly, like around the belly button, even lower than the belly button, move out when you breathe in, and draw in when you breathe out. And that, if that doesn't get you going, well, I'm not sure what will, because that that really has worked for a lot of people. And also fats, most people are not getting enough fat in their diet. So if you think like butter. What is butter? Butter is a lubricant, right? Butter is like so soft and creamy and yummy. What is fat? What is butter going to do to to your stool? It's going to soften it, and it's what is it going to do to your sewage system? It's just going to like create, you know, like a nice lubrication. So, um, adding more saturated fats to your diet is really, really key because animal fats like butter tallow, ghee, lard, duck fat, even coconut, olive oil, not so much, but coconut fat um, coconut oil would help. but it's really more of the animal fats um, because then you get the vitamin you get the, all the fat soluble vitamins,
0: which help. It becomes a problem for people that are vegan though. Um, and we've had we've had yeah. people on that have commented directly on butter and said things like, don't touch the yellow butter. But um, I, I know for certainly that's another thing that I did with my mother is I forget who it was. Maybe it was Clive that came in and said, if you took a human brain, desiccated it, what you'd have there sitting on the table is a lot of fat. fat. And so that is yep. part of what contributes to loss of cognitive. And so what I had done is I got coconut butter. um, And at first I noticed the big deal. The problem with people who are 90 and coconut butter is they're swallowing. You got to watch it. You may not want to give them a peanut butter sandwich or a cup of coffee with too much coconut fat. They could choke on that, but it does work. And so I was just pointing this out because if you're hardcore vegan and that's the choice you've made, there's totally options. If you're not There's totally options, but uh, we've had other people come on and say things like processed butter, watch what you're doing. It's like all processed food though. What's different, right? You could say the same thing Mm -hmm. about bread, cereal, or any other damn thing that's been processed, but we should, let's move along and talk about the idea of decreasing inflammation. By the way, here's another thing. And I knew I was going to have you on. I was watching this thing on Japan. They had a fermenting factory. I think they were making, must've been miso. And so they were doing it the way it was done 400 years ago. And I think they made the claim it was the last one in Japan. And I thought, really? So this ancient, seemingly ancient method of fermenting food, which is known to be healthful at a level for most people, um, that's off the charts. It's nature's kind of alchemy at work there. They they're down to one place now that's doing it like they used to do it, which is basically doing it within the scope of nature. Um, and it got me thinking about what you're doing because in a way you're reviving this thing that's even getting lost in places like Japan where some of their staple absolute staple foods are fermented foods, soy sauce, staple miso staple. There's a few of them. And in other cultures, you can find other things. But in our culture, it occurred to me, I started thinking, what's our big fermented food that you know historically is associated with us? And the only thing I could think of is beer.
1: <laughs>
0: I couldn't think of another kind of common staple-like not that beer is a staple for some people it is. Um, I'm just saying what, what Mm -hmm. food in the West could we attribute to our tradition of having some fermented thing? I suppose you might go sauerkraut, but that's really not from our part of the world. That's I guess, Germany or something, but you're kind of keeping that alive. Let's go into the idea of decreasing inflammation and to refresh everyone's memory. How many people have we had on that said all disease begins with inflammation?
1: How many people? Well, I, I'm
0: just skating I'm, <laughs> I'm sorry, people. I didn't do that very well.
1: I'm <laughs> stating how many. How many of our
0: guests have come on and said that all disease begins with inflammation? That's a little bit better.
1: Yes, all disease begins with inflammation for sure. And where does inflammation start? It starts in the gut. And interestingly, Stanford University—I don't know if you guys have—if you've been um, privy to this study yet—but just recently they did a study that compared a group of people who ate a high fiber diet. So they ate like legumes, seeds, whole grains, nuts, veggies, fruits, and then they had another group that ate only fermented foods. So kefir, kimchi, kraut, anything, fermented veggies, yogurt. And they compared, they had a 10-week trial and they compared the two after 10 weeks. And they said that the results said that the high fiber group did not show any change in microbial diversity and they did not show any change in inflammatory markers. Um, But what they did show was that they had undigested carbs in the stool. So they weren't digesting their fiber well. And then conversely, they found that fermented food, the fermented foods group, um, on all counts, there were, I think, 19 uh, inflammatory markers had a a major decrease in all of the inflammatory markers. And they did show um, a difference in the microbial diversity. And when they, at the end of the study, they had them eat even more fermented foods. And then they measured the microbial diversity in their poop. And they found that even increasing it even more showed even more diversity and it was very specific to the interleukin 6, which is a, a protein that is a marker for inflammation. It's pro-inflammatory cytokine. And the group with that ate the high levels of fermented foods showed a, a marked diff- difference in this interleukin 6. And it's just it's a I mean it, it's really not that much of a surprise for me, but now it's like documented that, going back to centuries ago when people, our ancestors would eat fiber and carbohydrates, they were either sprouted, you know, they were fermented, they were soaked. Um, So there was some kind of alchemy happening in the fibrous food and the carbohydrates. Um, And, and so they were easily digested. They had less inflammation and here we are nowadays where we eat a lot of high fiber, but it's not broken down and the anti-nutrients aren't broken down. And so we really just poop it out. And the fermented foods that are already broken down by the uh, microbes, they show a marked difference in the way that the body reacts and responds.
2: So this brings two things to mind. One, is there such a thing as too much fermented foods? And two, at what points in modern I guess we'll say western history. Did people forget what it is that they should be eating because this sounds like it's just part of all the other things that we've forgotten how to do, probably pre-20th century if I had to just take a guess.
1: Mhm. Yeah. And it's really like the introduction of uh like industrialized like seed oils, you know, get your canola oil, get your safflower's sapphires- sunflower, grapeseed oils. Like there was like really a focus on that, on the polyunsaturated fats and more of like a, a broken down wheat, you know, wheat that has been stripped of its germ and its bran, like all the new, nu- where all the nutrients are, it's like the introduction of the mill that just like creates the wheat to where it's like a, just a starch. So I don't know exactly when we we left like the ancestral way of eating but I it's it's probably the industrial revolution when we started bringing in all these equipments that just sh- strip everything and then we go to enrich everything so we take the wheat that's been stripped and it's just starch and then we we put vitamins, isolated vitamins and isolated minerals back in and we call it enriched. You know, We think, or they think that they added value to something that's completely void of any kind of nutrients. Um, and then they add sugar to make it taste good.
2: Processed is what we're saying here.
1: Processed. Yeah. Stripped, processed, and then and then put a label on it that's enriched or fortified and and then so that we can make people think that it's healthy for them. And, and the same thing is happening really with the fermented food world. Um, there's like, everyone's putting a label of probiotic on it, on any kind of food. And people are thinking that just ingesting one strain of probiotic, bacillus coagulin, which is everywhere. I mean, it's rampant in in the food system right now and and it's because these companies want to hop on the popular train and yet it doesn't i mean it doesn't not that it doesn't have an effect but it's 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 fraud like it's it's marketed as something that's good for the gut when it's not it's a food additive in other words
2: they're looking for any excuse to put a buy me sticker on it
1: <laughs> yeah exactly so the fermented food world there's You've got the probiotic supplements, you've got the fermented foods, and then you've got the probiotic foods. So fermented foods are probiotic foods, but probiotic foods are not fermented foods. Did I just confuse you?
2: No, no, not at all. Okay. So is this what you were meaning with the lies in the fermented food industry?
1: Yeah, exactly. So what's happening right now is you have those three sections of the probiotic world, and We know what probiotic supplements are. We know what fermented foods are, but do we know what probiotic foods are? Because that's really a new thing within the last couple of years. Probiotic foods are those things that they're energy bars or protein powders or pizza crusts. They're cold pressed juices, skincare, uh, chips, Kombucha, water, even, even just like plain water, water, kefir, it's all being labeled as a probiotic food when in fact it's not. And I don't want people, the reason why I want to bring this up is because I don't want people to confuse probiotic foods for being fermented foods. There's a big difference. There is no, you take an energy bar that has a bacillus coagulin listed as the ingredient and that's not a fermented food. There's no alchemy that's happening in that energy bar. They literally took a spore-based probiotic, freeze-dried, dormant, put it in to extend the shelf life and to be able to survive high heat. And boom, there you go. Label it probiotic, good for your gut um, protein powder. And then then you're off and, and you buy it and you think that you're doing something good for your gut when you're not.
2: Okay, so how about uh, what what are we looking for in the good quality? So with the probiotics, let's start with those actually. What does the probiotic mean? I know it's the, uh, the bacteria and things like that. The fermented foods will always contain that?
1: Yeah, so fermented foods will. So yes, fermented foods that are most likely in the refrigerated section of your store will always contain either a wild community of microbes or a controlled community of microbes. So wild community, it's like my products. That's where we don't add any microbes. We use the microbes that are already present on the fruit or the vegetable that we're fermenting. That's a wild fermentation. So that's a wild community. And then you have a controlled community, which is yogurt you know that's the best example yogurt so in order to make commercial yogurt you open up you know a package of freeze dried lactobacillus and dump it in and you get to choose what community you want in the yogurt so that's what you find in the fermented food section but then if you go to let's say the shelves on the inside of the grocery store and you find pickles and daikons and carrots those are most likely pickled So those are pickled veggies, which is different. Those are not going to have the microbial content that fermented foods have. A pickled veggie is usually used in a brine with vinegar and sugar and salt, and it's a very quick turnover. So a cucumber turns into a pickle very quickly when you add vinegar to it. And it's very acidic. So a lot of the microbes won't survive that. So that's what you have in the fermented food section.
2: So, once again, this sounds like commercial stuff is just processed, it's put together, more like slapped together for the excuse that, uh, hey, this is good for you, buy it.
1: Mm hmm. Yeah.
0: Or, or where did it even come from though, right? If we, if we think about ideas like terrain theory, we could imagine that a person grew up in this geography and, and within that geography would be the little microbes that they would typically ingest if they were living close to the land. Um, and I'm pointing this out because who the hell knows where, what they're putting how does it even, where does it come from? You know what I'm getting at here?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I think what's happening now in, because This industry, the probiotic, I call it the probiotic world because it's an industry that's growing at such a rapid rate that dirty hands are trying to get a hold of it. And this bacillus coagulant, if you look at anything that's marketed as probiotic, it will have bacillus coagulant. And that will be the only strain that it has. The bacillus coagulant is a spore based bacteria that withstands pasteurization. And it also can live in more alkaline environments. So it doesn't have to be an acidic environment. It also can live in acidic environments. So it's very, very hardy. So it's considered a food additive, literally. It's not even a microbe anymore. It's crazy. Like to to even for me to even think of that, because I have such respect for the microbial world that just like taking a bacillus coagulant, you know, who that's, that's in the soil. So wild fermented foods will have bacillus coagulant because it's, it's in the soil, a healthy soil, but to take that out and isolate it and draw it up in a lab and freeze dry it and, and GMO it, you know, like and patent it and then add it to like an energy bar. It just, it breaks my heart to see this happening.
0: Well, there's a key you see a patent. So I know this because I was involved with bamboo at one time and we began to see people basically doing in vitro creations that they then patented. What you should know is they're making a damn exact copy of what nature already made and that's not supposed to be patentable. Patentable would be they've modified it in some way and since it's unique to whatever you did to it, now you can put a patent as a basic idea. But what they were doing is they were in vitro cloning. Uh, So they're getting identical replica and they were removing the supposed virus, which created created striations on the leaves, which is true. You can see the striations, whatever the hell you want to say is causing it. It's on the germ. And so when the germ is young, they can create a new one that's free of this, whatever the infection is. And I'm not even sure it's an infection. It does create striations on the leaf, which are lex- less pleasing to the eye. But the point I'm making is even that boundary has been crossed now because you're not supposed to be able to patent nature. The, the point I'm trying to make is if you see something patented, that should inform you that it's been modified in some way by the hands of men and women.
1: Mm-hmm. Exactly. That's, that's all you have to know. Is it patented? That means that someone got a hold of it try to mimic nature. And then, and it it, it's dirty. Like, I just think it's, it's just, it's, it's in dirty hands and the probiotic supplement world is all patented. I mean, that's all you're seeing. And that's why I steer people away from probiotic supplements.
0: Well, that must mean that the evolution of that probiotic is provably out of step with nature. In other words, it's like chemistry. We don't give a damn what nature allows. Whatever we can figure out to do, we will do. And we'll make some of the most caustic things in the world, in the world of chemistry. uh, We will not recognize spagyrics, which is the underwriting foundation of all chemistry. The difference being spagyrics will only do what nature allows. If a natural process cannot occur during spagyrics, then it will not occur. And so I think that's really what we're talking about here. If it is patented, it is... I don't know, akin to what we would think of as GMO. Somebody modified this thing with zero concern for what nature might have created. Mm-hmm. I think, right? Am I wrong here?
1: No, totally spot on. Totally spot on. And and they are all GMO because you have to modify it, right? It you it has to be a genetically modified organism if you're patenting it. And and this company patents this one, and then this company patents that one, and they're all like changing the DNA in it and just mutating it a little bit just to patent that. And, um, it's just total mayhem. And and what you do, you get further and further away from nature, which is where we terribly go wrong with our health and, and like going back to the constipation, it's just first thing, go outside, go into nature, you know, get the sunlight, go back to nature take off your shoes, you know, even take off your clothes, get sunlight on your, your naked body. It's like, you know, feel that intimacy with nature again, and you'll see your health will flourish. And that's why wild fermented foods are really like where it's at because you're just, you know, you're taking nature and you're bottling it up and then the person consumes it. So but you have to be careful now because there are some kombucha companies that are adding this baseless coagulin. There's water kefir, com- Kavita, Health Aid, you know, some of the biggest uh, water and water kefir and kombucha companies are adding this baseless coagulin. Uh, some of GT's are not all of his, but some of GT's and what I'm thinking, why I'm I'm thinking that they're doing this is because I think the FDA is getting their hands into what's happening and there, because I'll tell you what's, what happened to me when I moved to Florida, Uh, when I moved to Florida, I needed a health permit to operate. And so I applied for one and they contacted me and they said, well, because you do fermented foods, you have to get a special processing license. And I said, what's that? And they gave me, about a year's worth of paperwork to fill out to um, basically tell them everything that is in my products, including every single strain. And then they want me, I knew where this was going. They probably would want me to pasteurize it and just like have like one or two strains in it. So I think I'm pretty sure that's where the fermented food world is going because you already start to see it in kombucha. I think they're pasteurizing the kombucha and then they're adding in this bacillus coagulin and calling it still a kombucha when it, it's not. Yeah. So anyway, so, that, so that's what's, you know, that this is what's happening to the, the bat. So in it, you know, to wrap, This up, if you want to wrap this up, the bacillus, if you see something with bacillus coagulin, it's not that it's harmful. But if you think that taking a protein powder every day that has this bacillus coagulin is going to be the microbe that you need, it's 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 like it's like you're taking a probiotic. People feel like that's all that they need to have good gut health, you're wrong. So this taking something with basillus coagulin only is not a good thing. And for long-term health that could prove um, really detrimental to just take one strain only.
0: How are you spelling that? Because every time you say it, I'm thinking of the damn Harry Potter spell with the basilisk. <laughs> it's got a reptile idea behind it. Even in myth, basilisk has a reptile idea. Is it basilisk without the K?
1: It's basilisk, B A C I L L U S.
0: Mm, it's a little bit different. Uh, it's an interesting word, though, to say the least.
1: And and you'll see it everywhere. It's in everything. Even uh, Rose texted me one day, and she said, "Oh my God, there's like skincare with it." Or I forgot what she said, but th- it's it's in everything right now.
0: You know, part of the tale that we're telling here is it shows what so-called free markets are not just free markets because people will get politically pissed off if I say those words. Any market has forced the way we're going to eat, so that. Long ago, we reached a point where the primary concern of food should have been, is it nourishing? That is so far in our rear view. And what we're demonstrating is the primary concern is, is it marketable? Is it patentable? Can we own the distribution? Can we protect that we're the only people doing this product? And nowhere in any of this is the idea of nutrition. And how could we have come so far from such a basic tenet? What's the purpose of food? The purpose of food is for nutrition, and that is not even a single piece of this. And here's one thing I've noticed. I'd say about last three years, I've noticed the big thing that they try to put in commercials so you'll buy their crappy food is how many grams of protein. Mm. It's like, if I can tell you there's 16 grams of protein in the fattiest cheese ever made, processed cheese, then you're good to go. Or Hot Pockets and things like this do, oh, well, there's this many grams of protein. And it's all a farce, isn't it?
1: It's all a farce. We've been lied to. I mean, that, that's just like, you just have to admit that and recognize that we've been lied to in a very, very big way. And it's seeped in so much that it's not just these big corporations that are heading the false marketing and the commercials and drilling certain things like saturated fat is bad for you, watch your cholesterol. Like It's not just these big corporations that are doing that. There's also small companies. It, what it comes down to is the integrity of the person. And you can't have integrity like 50% of the time. That's not having integrity. You have to have integrity a hundred percent of the time, <laughs> you know, it's like, yeah, sometimes in my business, I have integrity, but then in my personal life, I'm out like <laughs>
0: part-time integrity. Haven't you heard of it? <laughs> <laughs>
1: exactly.
0: It's like part, it's like part-time health. I'll be healthy tomorrow, but not the day. Right. After.
1: <laughs> or like my, my dad says I'm, I'm vegan in between meals, you know? So, <laughs> 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 but, um, but you know, it, it's up to the smaller companies right now, the smaller food companies to, to launch a revival. And unfortunately, like I, I, I know a lot of these smaller companies, and they're just—they're not being honest. They're not being honest either. I there's 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 a couple of companies. This is another um, lie in the fermented food industry, and that is the difference between kefir and yogurt. So there's a, there's a couple of small companies that I know personally that are yogurt manufacturers. And because they want to spread their wings and get, you know, get more into the, the probiotic world, they, they, they produce a, a drinkable yogurt, but they label it as kefir and it has the same exact strains. They just add a little bit more water or a little bit more like whatever liquid to it. And, it, and then they put it in a, a, a package that looks like a drink and they call it a kefir. And they're getting away with this. Be- Why? Because no one, I mean, where's the FDA and all this, right? Like, like anyway, if you see something that's approved by the FDA, run the other way. Like that's what I that's 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 how I live my life right now, literally. Like I see on Amazon FDA approved, I don't buy that because I know it's a complete disaster and complete fraud. But nobody is looking after these labels. No one. There's nothing. There's no agency that's saying, show me proof that this is a kefir. No, you can put anything on your labels. I can put anything on my labels and I can get away with it.
0: Organic's the same, right? Certified organic. I At first, a lot of us thought there was something to this. And I'm not saying that a lot of labeled organic isn't certainly better than things it's sitting next to. But it's exactly what, Lorna. what I learned is there's no police here. There's, there's no, no police. No organic police. <laughs> and to get that certified little logo just means you got to be a member of the club. Yeah,
1: oh, oh, but pay there's a lot them. of money
2: changing hands, I'm sure.
1: Yeah, it's just money. It's money. And and it's so funny because throughout this whole COVID thing, we're certified organic. So before COVID, they were on top of it. You know, June, I had to pay and boom, I paid. I continue with the logo.
0: That, that was the totality of the proof? Oh, yeah. The check?
1: Oh, yeah, yeah. That's it. I mean, oh my word. I mean, to start, like if you're a new customer, then they come and they do a an inspection. But after that, you just renew it.
0: Is, is it big? Is it big money to to get your certified organic, or is it negligible?
1: For a new company, like a startup company, it's a big chunk. Okay. It was so important to me when I first started fermenting fairy 4 years ago that I got it right away and it cost about $10,000.
0: Holy schmoly.
1: Yeah, and I I paid for that out of my own my own money because I didn't have any money in the business. But it was really important to me back then. Now not so much and but a lot of a lot of companies will use that as an excuse even smaller companies and 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 I get it. Like you don't have to be certified organic. But You do need to use organic ingredients because there is a difference between organic and conventional. As many loopholes as there are in organic, you still need to use, like, you still need to at least trust that there is a little bit of a difference and it's a little bit better than the conventional produce.
0: If I was you, I'd be thinking okay, my product is what it is. I know what it is. People will be happy if they try the product. I'd be thinking, what could I do? You know, you just said you got a year's worth of paperwork. I'm guessing they'd be much more happy with you as a business if you never openly certified organic. They wouldn't get their check. But the point is they probably wouldn't view you in the same light because we know what the FDA is busy approving. And, you know, I don't want to play the numerology game here, but I think we come to 11 as a hint. It's not the be-all and end-all, but the, I'd be I'd be thinking the double reverse if I was you. If I don't certify organic, I might not get so many eyeballs.
1: Yeah. And I, I wasn't aware of that four years ago, but boy, have my eyes opened a lot in the last couple of years. So, so we are actually letting go of the certified organic. We're letting go of the certified kosher. Um, but we're, we're still buying from the same vendors. We're still going to buy certified organic produce. We're not changing anything in the integrity of the product. It's just, I don't want those eyeballs on me. You know, I'm 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 done with these certifying agencies. We're becoming a PMA. I don't know if you want to talk about that now or later, but
0: we, we got to wrap hour one. So we'll, that'll be one okay. of the things we pick up in hour two. I'm going to wrap up hour one of 366 with Jason Lingren and Lauren Mona, also known as the Fermenting Fairy. On the other side, we've got a lot of things that we'll talk about in hour two. One of the things that's in our bullets is Candida and th- this is kind of a big deal there was a period of time where there was like this candida craze where everyone's got it and it's killing you all there was like this whole de- demented um, thing going on around the idea of Candida. And I noticed in Lauren's notes, she's taken the opposite side. So I'm interested and I'm all ears, and we can definitely address PMA. Maybe we'll pick up with it. Anyhow, uh, join us all at crow77radio.com, C R R O W 777radio.com for hour two, which is for members only. And with that, I'll close hour one of 366. And I'd like to wish you all a happy, healthy, and higher minded new era. Cheers.